You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. The question of whether nurses taking control of their scope of practice is a risk or opportunity will be discussed at the upcoming Warrnambool Nurses Conference. I'm joined by Alison Willis, Principal Consultant at the Health Objective, who will be presenting the topic. Welcome, Alison. Thank you. To set the scene, you'll be discussing the move toward a broad enabling scope of practice and the subsequent need for nurses to understand levels of regulation and role distinction. Why is it important that nurses are aware of this? Look, scope of practice has been something that's been around for a long time. You know, it's rhetoric that we use in our language. Nurses talk about their scope of practice all of the time. Unfortunately, I think all too often what they do is use scope of practice as a protective barrier. So, you know, things like I won't do that or, I, you know, that task is not within my scope of practice. And, and I understand they do this as a sort of form of maintaining control, but in fact it's a self-limiting way of looking at scope of practice. I think one of the difficulties nurses have is in being able to articulate what scope of practice really means. And I talk to a lot of nurses on this topic and I often ask them, you know, if they had to document their scope of practice, perhaps for the regulator, for example, um, what would they write? You know, what do they think is inside of their scope of practice? And what they frequently say is that they, that question confuses them. They don't really know how to articulate what's inside their scope of practice. I, ironically, they're able to say what's outside of their scope of practice. So they can tell me what they can't do and, um, you know, the things that they're unable to do in their workplace, for example. But when you ask them to to make a list of or articulate and expand what it is exactly that's within their nursing scope of practice, they tend to fall back to a default position of listing tasks and procedures that they're able to do. So I don't think nurses have ever had a very good understanding of what scope of practice really means, although it's such common terminology and language that they tend to use it more as a throwaway and I think that's dangerous because it is very self-limiting and it means that the only way nurses are going to develop autonomy is if they actually understand what their scope of practice is really all about. We've had a scope of practice decision-making framework in Australia um, since 2005 under the old state-based regulatory authorities. A lot of the state boards of nursing and midwifery actually um, endorsed scopes of practice decision-making frameworks, and we now still have one under the national regulation process under the national board. I don't know that nurses fully utilise it or understand how to use it. But in, in, effect, in effect, what it says is that nurses can, in fact, determine their own scope of practice. It's very fluid. Um, it means that although there is an overarching scope of practice for the profession, each individual nurse has a unique scope of practice that they can determine what it is, work within it and look to potentially advance it. So it's very flexible, it's it's very fluid and our profession owns the scope of practice that we have. We actually have control, whether we utilise that or not is another thing, but we actually have the capacity to enhance our scope of practice as a profession and develop our autonomy um, and, and really take control of what nursing is all about. And so the potential disadvantage of not fully understanding our scope of practice is that we stay working in a in professional boundaries that are self-limiting or limited artificially by 
other factors, you know, rather than really controlling them into the future ourselves. What are some of the other barriers to a nurse enhancing or embracing their scope of practice and, and some of those key concerns that they tend to have? I think some of the primary concerns about scope of practice comes from the fact that they really don't understand it. Part of that is because, of course, we have a two-tier um, profession, uh, which most of the other health professions don't have. Um, you know, we've had enrolled nurses and registered nurses for as long as we've had registration. And if our profession doesn't understand the distinction between the two roles, then no other profession is going to, and more to the point, the public are not going to understand the distinction. But in truth, I don't think nurses understand the distinction between enrolled nurse and registered nurse practice. Um, they don't, registered nurses certainly don't understand or have great knowledge on what is contained in the enrolled nurse um, training curriculum. So it's a concern to registered nurses when they have to delegate and supervise enrolled nurses because they're not really sure what it is they're educated to do. If we don't understand how we're regulated in that context, then we tend to fall to sort of a, a default of caution. So registered nurses will often be very cautionary in their delegation to enrolled nurses because they're worried about their own accountability. They're worried about whether they're allowed to delegate certain things. They're worried about finding themselves before the board or finding themselves in court or all those sorts of issues. And what that does, again, is limit enrolled nurse scope of practice for failing to be able to work within their full scope of practice. I don't think we have the luxury of not understanding our scope of practice. You know, we're in a um, forever sh shrinking health budget and it's not about numbers of nurses on the floor. It's about whether those nurses on the floor are fully working within their full scope of practice. Um, and if they're not, then that's a cost we can't incur. We're, you know, we, we can't afford for nurses not to work within their full scope of practice. And there's some stuff about professionalism and job satisfaction and patient outcomes and, and you know, healthcare reform that really means that it's our responsibility to make sure we do understand it and constantly move towards working within an enhanced scope of practice. Now, I think that whether that's about advancing or extending scope of practice at, at this time is, is a whole other um, set of events. But the fact that nurses should be able to fully work within their, their, you know, their scope of practice to its, to its fullest extent is really important, and I don't know that we're really doing that. What are some of the genuine risks that are present when it comes to scope of practice? The risks are always about accountability for nurses, about duty of care, and ultimately about risk to patient health outcomes and safety. You know, that's the bottom line. Um, our scope of practice is there to ensure and provide for um, patient care and patient outcomes. So the ultimate risk is a lack of safety and a lack of quality of care, um, you know, um, but that's whether we understand our scope of practice or not, that's always the bottom risk. I think the risk is about, um, is really about trying to move forward too quickly without making sure that 
nurses are competent and fully understand what it is they're doing. So, you know, it's not about um, developing new models of care for the sake of developing new models of care without having nurses fully prepared and understand what the implications of that care model are, what their roles and functions are within that, that process and what the risk management processes are about that. Um, it's also about making sure that nurses have full access to education, training and skills development and being able to consolidate those skills um, rather than just um, advancing scope of practice, you know, for the sake of it. So um, the risks are about setting up models that um, the profession is not ready or prepared for to implement ultimately, of course, in terms of patient care outcomes. The other issue for individuals, of course, is um, clearly we can't have and don't want nurses working outside of their scope of practice for exactly the same reasons, that they would potentially not be educated or competent to um, work to that level. So um, at the end of the day, individuals have to be competent to practice. But all of those things are achievable within an appropriate process for identifying, articulating and consolidating individual scope of practice and that's individual nurses it's individual areas of practice and it's the profession in, in and of itself you know there's always risk in development but the truth is i don't think we have the luxury not to fully understand our professional scope of practice and why would we not want to you know we're a profession hmm. we have to be able to articulate what it is that we do hmm. How can a nurse work to better understand their scope of practice and allay some of the concerns that they may have surrounding that? I think there's a lot of myth. You know, um, working in regulation and policy, as I have for the last 20 or so years as a nurse, um, I've run training and education for nurses on this topic over a great many, many years. And in reality... Um, you know, professional development for nurses and the level of knowledge that our profession needs to know means that in the main, when nurses have time, money and opportunity to engage in um, learning and professional development, of course, the priorities for their learning are about their clinical practice, you know, maintaining currency, maintaining knowledge and, and maintaining their clinical competence. But I don't know that nurses really understand what the broader context and the foundations of their practice are all about. And that's about how they're regulated, what professional practice actually means as opposed to clinical practice and all of these sorts of issues. What determines our scope of practice? What determines our regulation? What are our professional competencies? So often they're the topics that go untalked about within the profession and they're the sort of broad scope issues that they learn in their undergraduate studies and, and in the um, enrolled nurse TAFE courses but beyond that I don't think it's part of the general discussion of the profession so I think nurses often don't understand in terms of their roles, uh, roles and scope of practice I don't think they understand really the distinction between what is our scope of practice and, and determined by culture you know, what's our scope of practice determined by workplace policy and what our scope of practice is in truth determined by law and legislation. And I think then unsure of those distinctions. Um, so in, in terms of trying to articulate and understand their scope of practice, they often don't know whether they're required to do something because the law requires them to do something or they're required to do something because that's always been the culture, you know. Now, we can 
move away from old culture. You know, we can choose not to fall into that's the way we've always done it, so we'll continue to do that. We can challenge and be involved in policy reform. We can change policy, but we need to understand what is and in and is inside the law and what the ultimate limitations of our practice are in terms of legislation. In reality, very little of nursing practice is actually captured by law or legislation. You know, there are some fundamental things, and, and of course we have state-based legislation um, um, and, and federal legislation, but there are really very few things that actually capture nursing practice within legislation. We have some specifics, for example, so we have our poisons and drugs legislations across the country that make specific reference to things like who can access the DDA cupboard and who has to hold the keys and those sorts of issues, and that's very, very specific. And we have some broader legislation about what the roles of a registered nurse are, for example, in the aged care legislation and, and what constitutes registered nurse work in, in aged care or, or, or mental health legislation. But the truth is most of our practice is determined by organisational policy and by the authority that we have as nurses to perform certain things. Now, organisational policy can get it wrong, you know, or can be silent on things. So, um we can limit nursing scope of practice by failing to fully understand what the potential is in terms of what we can do with policy and failing to understand what the legislation actually says about certain things. And um, I rarely find nurses who can cite me sections of the Act that actually spell out what it is they can and can't do. And so what we allow is a culture, you know, that continues to inform and potentially restrict our scope of practice and policy that tends to mirror that culture. You know, what we really need is policy that we're working towards. Policy should be something that we're looking towards in the next five years. We should be able to achieve this. Policy should be flexible and something we're working within, not sort of the chain that we drag around behind us that limits our practice for want of change. You know, so I think... In truth, we need to be better informed about the potential and nurses need to be better informed and better involved in policy. Um, I've been a policy writer and, and policy officer for a, a lot of my career. And, you know, when we, when we look at nurses on the floor, often what the general nursing workforce will do, we'll assume that policy is part of the nursing executive or nursing management's role. And they often fail to engage with it, yet... Of course, it's the policy on the floor at the end of the day that limits them from doing what it is they need to do. And they're the ones who know what needs to happen. They're the ones that need to, to know what they what they can and can't do. So um, we have to be better engaged in policy development because it really can be the chain around our neck. I think also we need to look at scope of practice from sort of a, a position of altruism and entrepreneurship. You know, we need to look at what it is that the public need from us, you know, what do patients need, what health outcomes do they need, what is it about quality and standards of care that we can provide. And then we also need to look at, from an entrepreneurial point of view, what is it that we do best and how do we market that effectively? You know, we've, we're in a um, position of flux, we're in health reform, we've never had the potential gold mine that we've had as, as we do now to reform and review and have new visions of what nursing can be into the future. And if we don't grasp it now, we're just missing the boat. 
um, so the potential for nursing in this sort of period of change is to be visionary about where do we want nursing to be in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And if we don't own that discussion and if we're not involved in that, those decisions will be made for us by others who don't understand our profession. You know? and, and we know that where nurses are invo involved, morbidity and mortality rates decline. So it's our responsibility to be involved, actively involved in that debate to form our profession into the future. And it's all about scope of practice, you know, and if we don't understand what it is now, we don't have vision for the future, then others are going to control whether, where our scope of practice goes and we won't have control over, over our own practice. We won't have autonomy and we certainly won't be able to be positioned in a place to provide the best care we can because others will control what it is we do. How can nurses be best supported to understand and embrace their scope of practice? Look, I think it comes down to, um, it's got to come down to the workplace. We can, you know, we we have regulatory authorities who provide, we have through the Nursing Midwifery Board of Australia and through the support of APRA, we have all of the information that we need about what our professional practice is all about, how that's influenced by legislation and how we're regulated. But it's a very dry topic and in truth, the profession engage with APRA and the board when they have to, you know, and that's whether they're being audited, that's around registration time and, and you know, other than that. But the information's there. Um, it's just, it, it's difficult to engage with. It's dry. And, and our professional competencies, for example, you tend to read like hero statements. So I think nurses find it difficult to actively engage with them, but also to look at them and say the, the statements in the com competencies um, are, you know, well and good, but how do they actually directly relate to what I do on a day-to-day -day basis in my practice? You know, we're, um, you know, clinicians are on the most, and so we're looking for tangible interpretations of what it is we do. We need to make sure that um, nurses have access to education, information and discussion around professional practice and scope of practice. So for all of the in-service opportunities that nurses have during their calendar um, in their workplace around clinical topics and updates, we need to make sure that at least some of those topics are around developing scope of practice into the future and how does health reform affect the nursing profession and how does the nursing profession affect health reform and impact on the health reform agenda. So they need to be part of just our basic professional development opportunities. Nurses need to understand what their regulation is all about and what their professional practice is all about. And they need to be open to have those discussions. And interestingly, when I run topics like this, I often get feedback from nurses to say, I've never heard that before. I've never, I've, I've never had that discussion before. I, I didn't know that information before. And it's not that it's not available. It's just that it's not the general topic of discussion that nurses have because we tend to focus on our areas of practice. So we need to make sure that it's part of the discussion in the general workplace. And employers are responsible for making sure that they have practices and processes in place that encourage nurses to be involved in policy change. You know, there should be requirements for nurses to be on part of every process of policy review and change. If we can't have nurses silent. If there's a policy and procedural change, then nurses should be part of that 
drafting. They should be part of the working parties that develop that process um, and make sure that we hear, you know, that um, policies aren't endorsed in a vacuum, you know, that um, um, when we look at a policy, it's not about do we want to endorse this for the next three years because we're happy with it and that's the way it's always been, but it should be visionary. Will this policy take us forward in the next five years? Will this policy be, be flexible enough to enable the profession to work effectively within it or, or is it self-limiting um, in its process? So we've just got to make sure we engage those things. Nurses are also responsible for understanding their, their own professional practice. And I think the competing factors are that they're, they're always busy. It's a stressful work environment, you know, all of those issues. And I, I understand those things. But if we truly are a profession, then part of being a profession is understanding what the profession, what the foundations are of that profession. And I think that's about nurses moving into that level of maturity and really, really embracing the fact that they are a profession and not paying rhetoric to it. And I think that's the case. Thank you for joining me, Alison. My pleasure.